The Money Show with Bruce Whitfield is brought to you by APSA CIB, the market leader in digital trade finance solutions. APSA is a registered FSP. The Money Show. The Markets. It's that pause. Can we shorten the pause? The pause always gets me. I've always got by the pause. Peter Brook, who's a portfolio manager at the Old Mutual Investment Group, is with us this evening. Before we talk Sun International and the potential of the takeover of Piermont, we've seen a big change in tone and mood just over the over the long weekend, Peter. Members of the U.S. Fed Open Market Committee, the so-called FOMC, dining back on what were huge market expectations last week for rate cuts. Reality seems to be settling in the week before Christmas, a bit of devaluation in the currency once again today and a pullback in our markets, quite a sharp pullback as well. That's right. It's a bit sad because I went to a farewell lunch on Thursday afternoon for a staff member who's retiring. So we missed all the fun and now you get like the, the down on the next day. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't read too much into it though. It, the truth is, if you look at it, markets had a huge run and um, both in terms of currency um, everything. And so a little bit of a settling and a pullback, I think, is normal. The interesting thing, of course, is U.S. futures are up. So it's more about the nuance around it and what sort of degree of follow through that you have around the world. Yeah. Um, again, there is this, I think, uh, this burning desire for interest rates to start coming down. And there, even the slightest hint that interest, that money becomes a little bit cheaper in 2024 sets uh, really some quite exuberant and often irrational activity happening in markets. I think so. But if you look at, I'll give you an example, um, U.S. long-dated bonds, the 20-year treasuries, we've actually got a position in there. It's done something like 25, uh, 20, call it 20% from their recent low up, which is huge returns. But actually, almost all of that was just a reversal of what had fallen in the previous quarter. So I think, and if we, even if we look at markets broadly, they're rebounding to levels that they were at, as opposed to um, we're into a new uncharted space. So uh, markets are looking forward. That's what they do. The cost of capital is a critical component of it. If I look at what's happening in terms of bond yields coming down from higher levels, that makes perfect sense. If I look at the U.S. dollar weakening a bit, that makes perfect sense. And in a lot of places where equities are jumping, it's, they were too cheap. Perhaps where I'm less convinced is areas like so, I mean, the U.S. still remains expensive, um, and so you've got a lot of expectation priced in now in terms of lower rates, but no and and no problems in terms of the soft landing. Yeah, certainly the U.S. Fed is still boxing very, very carefully. Loretta Mester, who is the president of the Cleveland Fed, she's also one of the voting members of the uh, FOMC, the Federal Open Market Committee, saying markets have got ahead of themselves. And that's applying, I suppose, implying a slightly slower um, sort of downgrading of interest rates into, into the new year. Certainly on the JSC, I don't think you're anticipating too many aggressive rate cuts next year for, for South African investors. No, um, the Saab likes to talk about a table mountain. Sharp up, long flat, and then down. 
And they're not incentivized to lead in terms of global rates because the rand has actually been quite weak. So if you look at the rand against other currencies, it hasn't been that great. So I think that that indicates our country risk. And therefore, I think that stays the Saab's hand. Stays the Saab's hand. So what? No, no, certainly no interest rate cuts in the first half of next year, perhaps into the second half? I think we'll definitely see cuts. Sorry, just to be clear, it's just the extent of them and the speed of them. We will follow the U.S. as opposed to we're going to want to be out there trying to lead. Okay, very good. What do you make of Sun International's ambitions to buy Piermont? I think it's an interesting looking deal. They've certainly got it at a fairly decent price. I listened to your interview and I quite like the way he tiptoed around the competition commission issue, talking about localization. Um, the truth is, I think consolidating businesses makes sense. It's a really tough environment out there and you need to take costs out. So it makes business sense. Whether they can get it through, I think, will be a big debate. Competition Commission has been pretty tough. And in many cases, I felt slightly irrationally tough. But um, so I think we'll just have to wait to see what happens. If they get this through, I would say it's good news um, because consolidation does make sense. Yeah, and it, it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting sector, isn't it? I mean, it's disposable income. It's doing very well. They've had a really good rebound in the last set of results. I saw a massive uptick in earnings. And uh, they've gradually weaned themselves off the very expensive to run resorts businesses. They had a beautiful portfolio of properties and luxury properties and was wonderful to go and visit. But, geez, terrible to invest in. Gaming, at least, is a, a more certain income stream for investors. It is an extraordinary business because it's actually very concentrated in terms of those repeat gamblers, those high net worth players are very valuable to the casinos. And it's less, of, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a stickier business in a way. The other area that it's important is small businesses. So a lot of the people who've got that sort of risk appetite to who enjoy going for a bit of a flutter at the casino also are people who have built their own businesses and generally are out there making a difference in a way. So I think when the small business sector battles, this sector battles as well, but there's still a resilience, and it's incredibly cash generative. So it's not a bad business model um, at all. Uh, and it's kind of easier to follow, I suppose, than the, the, the madness of the commodity cycles. Commodity cycles, when they're going in your favor, are fantastic. At the moment, the commodity cycle, particularly the, the platinum sector, has not been going in the favor of investors, except for the last couple of weeks where there's been a resurgence in demand for platinum group metals. And today's movements were just astonishing. I mean, Impala up 11%, big gains for Northern and Anglo-American platinum and Sibania. I know it's from a very low base, but is this the beginning of something new, do you think? Or dare you hope that there's a bit of a recovery coming through in that sector, which is really quite browbeaten and downbeaten? Yeah, I think you're right to sort of flag up that that 11% gain still leaves Impala down 60% for the year to date. Yeah, yeah. And um, a good friend of mine from the UK actually called me two weeks ago and he says, have you looked at platinum? It looks amazing. Um, the the prices dropped down to, or the PGM basket prices dropped down to the 50th percentile of costs, and that's always a surefire indicator that um, 
you've got a you've got you got a flaw in there, and now's the time to be looking to buy. So I think yeah, that's really what's starting to play out, and yeah. Mm-hmm. You've got all this different regulatory impact. So there was a little bit of good news today about um, some delays in EV rollout, which is helpful. But on the other side, you have Canada coming out saying, well, we're going completely um, away from internal combustion engines, I think, by 2035. I personally think it's more around Anglo-Americans' announcement saying that they're going to start taking volumes out. And that is where you can start to build a price floor. Yeah, and that's going to be interesting and in terms of the way in which the technology moves, of course, because, yeah, Platinum Group Metals are absolutely still pivotal in the world of, of, of batteries. There's a really interesting signal, and it's going to have ramifications for oil markets. We've seen the oil price shoot up over the weekend. I saw BP's decided to suspend oil shipments through the Red Sea. There's a particularly narrow gap between Djibouti and Yemen where rockets have been fired at ships that are suspected to be doing anything in favor of Israel, these Hamas supporters. Evergreen, the company that owns that ship that blocked the Suez Canal about four years ago, it's not carrying any cargo for Israel through the Red Sea. And it's it's a massive conduit for oil and for, for fuel shipments, of course, for the entire global economy. And suddenly you just look at that little sort of pre-Christmas risk coming into the mix and you just realize just how unstable and unsettled the global environment is at the moment, particularly when we're as dependent still on fossil fuels as we are. Yeah, I suppose I'd interpret it rather as I wouldn't want to be a Houthi rebel right now. No, because they are going to find a little bit of heat, I'm I'm sure, turned, (laughs) turned towards them. The interesting thing about oil is it's actually, um, it's fallen a lot. And for the first time, we've actually seen a little bit of inventory um, run down. And the other, if you if you think slightly longer term, the Fed was incredibly dovish. I mean, an extraordinary statement to sort of pivot quite so sharply. We are facing an election year next year. I'm not sure if that had anything to do with it. But are they getting a little bit softer on longer-term inflation? And what that means, I think, would be quite positive for commodity prices generally and definitely for oil. So, sure, you get, I mean, obviously you get sort of spikes on short-term news flow, but generally they don't last very long. But the oil price at this level, I do think, looks quite interesting. Peter Brook, thank you very, very much indeed. Peter Brook is, of course, a portfolio manager at the Old Mutual Investment Group. Today was a disappointing day after the exuberance of the closing days. As Peter said, he went to a farewell for somebody who was retiring on Thursday last week and missed all the Thursday afternoon excitement (laughs) where we saw share prices rocketing. I can hear voices in the background, team. Thank you very much indeed. The all-share index on the day down 988 points, one and a third percent lower at 74,301. Financials down 2.5% on the day. We saw quite a sharp sell-off happening in Sunlum, Standard Bank, Capitec, First Rand and APSA. And, of course, the gold sector with Anglo Gold Ashanti uh, negative in that gold market with also the uh, share prices of local retail and telecommunication stocks falling off quite sharply. But there was a good day across resources. The resources index positive with Impala leading the charge higher. But as Peter Brook points out, uh, the Impala share price, although up 11% today, still down by two thirds 
this year alone. So there's been a huge amount of reshaping and reshifting and repositioning of portfolios. Gold price is steady. Uh, Brent crude price is picking up a little. And our currency, which has been at a really good week last week, losing 2% of its value today. So that was somewhat disappointing on this Monday afternoon. But hey, the week is but a pup and we've still got a lot to go before Christmas Day. So we hope that uh, things settle down a little as we move toward the Christmas holiday break, which is usually very much quieter than the rest of the year.